Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and I got to tell you, this is going to be a special interview today. You're going to hear from a business owner who has done something that most business owners never get to do, and that is that he successfully sold his service-based business. Today, we're talking with Paul Maskell. Paul, uh, again, he started his first service-based business back in, in 2011 and was uh, just pulling his hair out, working 60 to 80 hours a week, as I know we can all probably relate to at one point or another in our career, and uh, soon realized that he had no freedom and needed a way for that business to, uh, to thrive and, and, and for him to survive through it all. And so he started systematizing everything and he put systems in place, doubled the business revenue and uh, was able to drop his working hours down to below 40. And then Paul was able to sell that business for a nice profit. He's now back into business ownership and uh, he's an investor and a coach and he's focused on helping other business owners go from operator to owner and CEO. And I'm excited, Paul, that you're here with us today on The Unstoppable CEO. Welcome. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Steve. Excited to be here. So that's a heck of a story. I mean, very few business owners, I mean, if we're really honest about it, very few business owners actually get to that point of a successful sale. More often, it's kind of a liquidation at the end. So I'd love to hear what got you to this stage. Give everybody a little bit of background for, for your journey. Yeah, and really just that to that first point that you made, a lot of times people sell their businesses when things aren't going well. And when you do sell your business, when things are going well, people look at you like, well, what's wrong with it? Like, it's, it's kind of like when you, when you make a nice return, people are still asking like, what's, there's something more to this story. And there really was nothing more to the story. It was just, you know, I was able to make a really good return on the work I put in and then I wanted to do something else. Um, but kind of backstory, uh, I, I always was really intrigued with numbers, money, finance. I love math. Uh, if you ask anybody in my family, whenever I, it was birthday or Christmas, what do you want? I just wanted money. I wanted to save it. Uh, and I loved buying baseball cards. Um, when I was a kid, I played a lot of golf, still love golf. And on any rainy days, me and my friends would go to the golf course. Nobody was there. We'd get all the golf balls out of the golf course that we could. We'd jump in ponds and rivers. And then when it was nice and sunny out the next day or two, we'd clean them up and sell them to the people that probably hit them there in the first place. So. I was always into numbers, money, and all that kind of stuff, but I never really envisioned owning my own business in the sense that when you're growing up, everybody always tells you, go to school, get a good job, go to college, graduate, and then go work for a company for 40 years, and maybe along the way, they'll pay for you to go to grad school, and then you retire, and then you enjoy life, and I didn't know any different, so that was my plan. I graduated with a finance degree. I moved to Chicago. I'm originally from Michigan, moved to Chicago, and my idea of the next 40 years was, okay, I'm going to work for a bank, I'm going to work in the finance world, and I'm going to climb that corporate ladder all the way to that top corner office. So moved to Chicago 2007. Uh, so just before the financial meltdown, people were still hiring. I got a job. Ironically, my first job, I was making $13 an hour in 2007. I moved there just to get a job um, because anybody that follows the state of Michigan, it's basically all built on the automotive industry. And there weren't that many finance jobs at that time. So I was like, whatever, I'll go to Chicago, make 13 bucks an hour, and then use that as a stepping stool to get to a bigger and better job. So I did that within like six weeks. I quit that $13 an hour job, went, worked for a big, large bank. Everything was booming. And then 2008 came around and the bottom fell out. And I realized pretty quickly that this probably just isn't for me for a lot of reasons. I had seen people that, you know, 
meeting people that I'm working with. They've been doing the same thing for 40 years. They didn't like it. You watch hundreds of thousands of people kind of file into the train or the subway. They all look miserable. They go to work for 10, 12 hours in a cubicle, and then they file back miserably and go home. And that's basically it. There was really no gratification for me. There wasn't that much excitement. So uh, I realized that I had to do something else. So obviously, this is like the peak of the financial meltdown. I was one of the last hires in before they froze hiring. And I knew that I kind of had to hang on just from financial standpoint. I just graduated college. I can't just quit my job that quickly, but I can save up and plan for it being a finance person. So I watched all these people get laid off. They'd been with the company forever. And, you know, my parents' generation tells me, well, be loyal, stay with that company forever. And, you know, you'll have a great retirement. But then I'm watching these people that poured their, you know, heart and soul into these companies just get let go because they were making more than the new hires. And then they had a really hard time finding a new job. So, Anyway, long story short, I did that for three years, quit my job, went to South America for two months, backpacked around, hung out with a bunch of cool people, and realized that I was never going to go back to the corporate world. So relocated to North Carolina uh, and decided to start my own business. So if you want to take it from there, we can definitely go into how that happened. But that's kind of the backstory of how I got into business ownership. When I quit my job for the last time, I realized that the worst case scenario is never as bad as you think it's going to be. And I've really kind of taken that motto, even along business. When you take a risk, whatever happens, the worst case scenario in your mind is probably not that bad. And you can always go back. I could always go back and get another job if I really wanted to, especially I knew I could live in Chicago for $13 an hour. I could probably go get a job making $13 an hour if I had to. I love that. You know, I, I learned really early on, I, I got into a leadership position and, and started running a business um, just a few years out of college and didn't know what the heck I was doing at the time. And my CFO and I kind of got to the same point because we would bill it. She was younger than I was. And we would like belabor these decisions for a while. And finally, it just like, we looked at each other like, well, what's the worst that could happen? And the first time we asked ourselves that, it was like transformational. And, you know, we're like, well, this is probably the worst thing that could happen. Okay, well, how likely is that? I don't think it's very likely. Do you? No. She's like, no, I don't think it's very likely. And away we went. And then from that point forward, that was sort of the question. Like any decision that we were faced, as long as we knew, like, what's the worst thing that can happen? And can we survive that? Is there a plan B after that? everything gets easier. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, it totally does. And really from, from my standpoint, I didn't want to have the regret of saying, you know, all of a sudden I've seen, I saw too many people in the corporate world that couldn't quit their job because now they got a mortgage, they got a lake house, they got a boat, they got family, they got kids, they got all these obligations that they just need to keep working in order to continue to fund that. And I was young. I didn't have a wife. I didn't have a house payment. I luckily I didn't have student loans. So I knew that, you know, I could probably pull this off. And if I don't, you know, at least I took, at least I made that move. So then 10 years from now, I I would never have to say, I wish I would have at least tried to do that. You know, it's, uh, it's really interesting. You know, the time at which for you, it sounds like that you, you took that leap and it probably didn't seem like this at the time, but I would imagine compared to where you are now, you had a lot less to lose by, by making a leap of faith. Now that you've, you know, if, if we go back to when maybe you were running your first business and it was successful and providing income for your family, would that have changed the, the perspective on that question at all for you? I think it would have changed slightly, but what I've learned along the way, and you never really had to learn it in, in corporate America, is really evaluating how you spend your time. So 
you know, say I'm in this position right now. Now I have a wife, I have a child, I have a house. I probably couldn't just quit all of my obligations and go start from scratch. But what I could do is, you know, really kind of evaluate how am I spending my time? And I, I talk a lot with business owners about this. Like the average American watches like 40 some hours of television. So turn the TV off. Those are 40 some hours. You could be building a business you know, while still having a full-time job. So that's probably how it would have changed. I probably wouldn't have just like, okay, I'm out. I'm going to South America for two months. But I probably would have still still made the move. It would probably just have been a little bit more calculated to make my wife a little sleep well at night <laughs> and to know that things are going to be okay. Uh, but I think it's really having the self-awareness to look at yourself and say, how am I really spending my time? At the end of the day, we all have the same amount of time. It's really how do you spend it in order to get the most of out, out of it and to get to where you want to go. And so I realized, you know, now that there's, you have 168 hours in a week, you're going to sleep for say eight hours a night. So you have about 112 hours of awake time. How do you spend those is really the big question you'd ask yourself if you're not where you want to be. I love that question. So you, you start this business um, and at some point you realized this isn't working for me. I need to change the way I'm operating. What was the trigger for you that, that really got you into systemizing the business? Yeah. So the biggest trigger was, I mean, I, I literally, the business was growing really well. We were doing really well, we're providing a great service, but literally we couldn't grow it anymore because there was no more time in the day. So it was like, how can I keep this momentum? Clearly there's a demand for this and I want to capitalize on this. And when I started kind of asking those questions to myself. Then I also asked myself, what happens if I got hit by a bus? Like, I realized at that point that this business is totally dependent on me. It's basically like having, you know, a job that if you're not working, you're not making any money. So I was thinking, why did I start this in the first place? I started to have more freedom. I started it to make, not necessarily make more money, but to make an impact. Whereas when I was sitting in a cubicle, I wasn't really making any impact just to some shareholders bottom line. But then having the ability to, the harder or smarter that I work, the more successful I will be. Whereas in corporate America, especially from 2007, 2010, you weren't getting a raise, you were just getting more work. And if you were lucky enough to get a raise, maybe it's 3%. But what I saw happen was they're basically cutting all the top people, giving people promotions, but not giving them any more money. It's like, hey, you got a new title, you got more responsibilities, but we're not going to pay you anymore. Where I wanted the ability to control the own, my own destiny. So if I wanted to go make more money, I knew I could you know, put in more hours or put in more systems, which I realized was really the key to that. So that was really kind of the tipping point of there really is no more time. You know, I still have to sleep. I still have to take care of myself. I have at that time, I don't know if we were married, maybe we were just married. So I had like either a fiance or a new wife who, you know, wanted to spend some time with me. So it was, it was kind of the tipping point. And then I asked myself that question again, if I systematize this and delegate everything, because that's kind of our biggest fear is we delegate everything and nobody can do it as well as I can. The, the real question was then, what is the you know worst case scenario? And it's probably not as bad as I thought it would be. I wanna take a quick break, but when we come back, I wanna talk about this idea of moving. Really what you're talking about is moving from, from being the operator of the business to being the owner of the business. And that's a it's a big shift to take and one that a lot of people never really get to. I, I want to come back and I want to kind of unpack that idea because I know you've got some very specific ideas around that. Uh, so we'll be right back with more from Paul Maskin. 
Hi, this is Steve. I hope you're enjoying this interview. We've got more to come in a minute, but what I'd love for you to do right now is rate this podcast. Leave us a review, rate us on iTunes. It'll really help others discover the podcast and help us help other CEOs, other business leaders become unstoppable. So if you go to unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes, you can find instructions there and links that will take you right to where you need to go to review the podcast. Thanks so much. Now back to the interview. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Steve Gordon, and we're talking with Paul Maskell. And, and Paul, um, right before the break, you're describing to us how you made this transition in your first business that that you went from working ungodly hours to starting to really systematize things. And and you said something interesting there. So you said that you know when you were working all these hours, you, you finally realized that all you really had was a, a job and the job just happened to have a boss with your name and you saw him in the mirror every morning, you know? And I think that is an experience that probably 90, 95% of business owners in the country could relate to, in the world could relate to. Most of us start because we want this promise of freedom, but then it becomes this crazy new employment arrangement. You know, the old joke is, well, you know, you, you traded a boss that you hated for a boss that's crazy, right? Um, and, and that boss is you. So you, you had this epiphany like, hey, I got to systematize this, but that's a daunting thing. I mean, it's not an easy process to go. It's a change in thinking, but it's also a whole heck of a lot of work at a time when you're already working a lot to get things systematized so that other people can do them. Talk a little bit about that process and, and how you approached it then and maybe how you would approach it now to do it again. Yeah, obviously now I know a lot more than I did then, um, but I probably wouldn't change anything just because I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't have to go through that. So, you know, what I realized, I mean, really, I mean, if you just want to kind of get into the, the weeds of a little bit is, you know, one kind of to what you said, who is your boss? And it's just uh, this crazy boss that you're looking in the mirror. And I think... Of, Initially, everybody kind of wears that as a badge of honor. Oh, I'm self-employed. I'm my own boss. You know, but when I had a job, at least when I stopped working, I was still getting paid because I had paid vacation and I had benefits and I had, you know, some re retirement contribution, whatever it was. So I was like, I need to make this shift so that it's, it's a completely beneficial for every moving part of me personally, my family and the business. So the first thing I did literally was I probably took, and like you said, it does take time. So uh, I took probably a weekend where I literally got out this giant piece of paper. So I don't know how big it was. It was big, like the size of my desk. And I wrote down everything that I could think of, of what I did, because as business owners, there's so many things we do by habit. We could probably do it in our sleep. We know we have to do it every day, but if we're gone, nobody would have anything to follow us. Like what does Paul do on Mondays? I have no idea. I just know he's in his office working. So I literally wrote down everything that I could think of, just what I do, not how I do it, but what I do. What do I do on a daily basis, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annually, and started to build almost like a calendar. And then I asked my wife, what do I do every day? Because there's things that I probably didn't even think of. She's like, every Friday you have to do this, or every Saturday you have to do this. So then I started putting that. And then I asked my team as well, like, hey, what does Paul do on a daily basis, weekly basis? So basically have this you know, brain dump of all the things I do. And then I started to kind of divide them into like silos starting to create jobs that is that is not me so like this might be hr this might be more marketing this might be more operational stuff so really starting to create jobs of when i get rid of this 
who is the ideal person for this to go to? And then I started looking at how can I just free up, a, like, what is the first thing I can delegate? Because I knew I was just like every other business owner that, you know, I have some trepidation of just giving something to somebody. So the first thing was like, okay, I got a couple things that maybe take me an hour a day. This is what I want to delegate. And then at the same time, I was listening to a lot of podcasts, reading a lot of books. That was like, before that, I never listened to podcasts. I never read any books. Uh, I didn't like reading. I never read a book in school or anything. But I, I started to realize, and I, it was probably Pat Flynn's podcast, to be honest. He started talking about all these cool different tools that people have. And uh, Camtasia was one of them, which is a screen recording software. This was kind of before all these free tools are out there now. But Camtasia was a paid piece of software. Um, and it basically records your screen. You can do, you know, call outs, you can do highlights, you can do underlines. But I started to delegate these tasks where I could create training videos for people. And the way that I saved the most time is I recorded those the next time I was doing them. So I didn't, it didn't really cost me any time. So, you know, if I had a report I had to run every Monday morning, I would pull up Camtasia, I'd hit record. I would do it just as if I'm doing it, maybe a little bit slower because I know, you know, people have to learn it. So I was doing it and then I was voicing over what I was doing. So, okay, I'm going to go to a Chrome browser. I'm going to open up this application. I'm going to hit run. I'm going to download it into Excel. I'm going to do this, highlight this, save it in this location. And then I'm done. So putting myself in the other people's shoes, watching a video is a lot easier. It's not as intimidating. Paul's not sitting next to him saying, hey, do this, do this. They're feverishly trying to take down notes. And then they call me the next day anyway. Hey, I forgot how to do that. So they're a little bit more comfortable because they can pause, rewind, fast forward. It saves me a bunch of time because I don't have to sit next to them. And then once they're comfortable with that, I started adding to their plate. And probably the one, the, one of the biggest realizations that I had that a lot of business owners still don't realize is when you start delegating, you don't have to find somebody for 40 hours a week. You can find someone for literally five hours a week. And that's, they have one task, it's an hour long, and it gets done by someone other than you. And when they have a video, and then if you type up standard operating procedures, it's really, you know, idiot proof. And then when you free up that hour, that gives you another hour to work on your business. So you start creating more of these and it's almost growing at an ex exponential rate because then you're freeing up two hours, four hours, eight hours. And as you're doing that, that gives you more time to work on the business, which allows you to increase your impact, increase your revenue. So hopefully that helps give people an idea. There's a ton of tools out there now. Uh, I think the key is to just get started, pick one thing. Once that one thing got delegated properly and the people were doing it just as well as I would have, then I was hooked. I was like, this is amazing. Like, this is the best thing ever uh, because I had the confidence and they had the confidence to continue doing it. Yeah, I, I mean... It's funny, uh, having built a business pre, you know, internet and all these tools, I mean, um, the old fashioned way of doing it was you went and sat with somebody and you explained it to them. And just as you described, they take all kinds of notes and then come back with you, you know, to you with a million questions. And we do something very similar with our team where I'll record a video or, you know, somebody on the team, if they're trying to get help with something, we'll record a video. And what I find most valuable about that compared to the old days is that the next person that you add to the team now, you don't have to retrain. You don't have to sit with them again. You know, you've, you've built an asset in the business that, that then, you know, it's training everybody else that you bring in. And we just went through a, a situation where we had to switch out a team member. 
it made that process go infinitely smoother because for the new person that came in who was taking over these responsibilities, we just said, well, here's start with this one and go through these videos in this order. And she was up and running in under a week. Yeah. And that's really, and I think a lot of people kind of get hung up. Well, it's not going to be a pretty video. It just has to be functional. You know, even if it's not a computer task and it's an in-person task, like I work with the land, I'm a partner in a landscaping company. If we want to teach somebody how to do something out in the field, this little gadget here, this iPhone is super powerful. You hit record, you got a video, you can do a voiceover, you put it on your computer and then send it to somebody and say, Hey, when you install this type of plant, this is what it should look like done. And then, like you said, as you do this enough, eventually you've created the entire, you know, learning suite for these people. Um, but at the end of the day, the key is to just get started, pick that one task, delegate it with confidence because you know they have everything they need to succeed. Too many business owners say, ah, I've tried hiring, people just don't do it, they're not good workers, da 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 When you have all the systems in place, it allows you to hire the right personality because you know you can train them for the job. And Regardless of what the news will tell you, like 99.9% .9 of the people in this world are good people. They're not going to do things bad or wrong on purpose. They're going to do them wrong or bad because the owner didn't provide them something, whether it was training, infrastructure, tools, you know, oversight, being open and available, not just saying, here's your job, go figure it out, actually being open and available for feedback and questions. Uh, that's really the key is to kind of shifting into that leadership role. Yeah. So... I know you help business owners through this transition now and, um, and, and you've got some new things coming up, but as you're working with someone, so let's say we're, we're talking to a business owner who's, you know, in the middle of this 80 hour a week nightmare, and maybe they've got a small team and they're trying to get stuff off their plate and begin this. Where does that process begin for them? I mean, is it as simple as, starting to, to document things or is there a shift in thinking that has to take place first? You hit the nail on the head. You really have to shift your thinking and your mindset. Uh, I just did an Instagram post today. You know, if you keep doing what you've always done, you're going to keep getting what you've always gotten. So you really have to shift your mindset of throw it out the window that, well, this is the way I've always done it. I don't care. Like the way you've always done it clearly isn't working. So you have to, you know, trust the process, trust your coach or consultant, whoever you're working with. It's got to be a great fit. And then just take it slowly at first, you know, because it is making a big change. Not necessarily from a business standpoint, because, you know, people are worried about all these things. And it goes back to that, that kind of quote. Again, you know, the worst case scenario is never as bad as you think it's going to be. Um, but we're always worried of what, who's going to think this or what's going to happen but really, if something terrible happens and you, you put in this new process and that person, you know, totally face plants and your customers are upset, the key is to then how do you react to that issue? And if you react to it and you own that problem, the customers will love you even more because it shows that you care about your business. So you definitely got to shift your mindset first. And then the key is to, you know, what I did, I think works really well, just kind of brain dump. And that's what I work on with, you know, people that I'm working with, brain dump everything that you do. And then let's just start kind of putting them into different pieces. This thing happens every day. This happens every week. This happens every month. And then this is kind of HR stuff. And this is kind of sales stuff. And this is stuff that I really like to do. And I want to keep doing this is project management stuff. So once you kind of got that done, then you want to start to perfect how it's done. Do it in a systematic way that somebody else could do. Because a lot of times as business owners, you're always running around, your seat's on fire, and it's like, I just got to get it done. Well, take the time to do it in a systematic way 
that somebody else could eventually do. Once you've kind of perfected that process, then you document how it's done, and then you either automate it or you delegate it or both, you know, depending on it, whatever the situation is. A lot of times people say, oh, I don't want to automate anything. The definition of automation is it's happening automatically. It doesn't necessarily mean technology is doing it. It just means it happens automatically by someone or something. Absolutely. Yeah. Human but, automation is awesome. Yes. And, human and automation is really cool. Um, and the, the last thing I would tell people is if you've ever told yourself, I wish there was a tool that would do X, Y, and Z, it's probably out there. Just go Google it because there are so many tools out there nowadays that can do pretty much everything. Just go Google it and see what you find. Yeah, absolutely. So we've gotten the business owner through this process and, and they've started to delegate stuff and started to create more time. That can't be the end of the story, right? There's more growth that, that comes after that. For somebody who is moving through the process, what do they need to be looking at and thinking about next? What's the next stage? Yeah, so I think I love working backwards. So kind of figuring out what their why is first. So why did you get in the business in the first place? Well, I want more time with my kids or I want to build it into a $10 million business and then transition it to my kids or I want to do other business ventures or I want to get into real estate, whatever it is. I think we first need to figure out what that why is. So we have kind of that North Star to kind of that's what's going to keep us moving every day kids, family, business, whatever it is, whatever your definition of freedom is, whatever your why is, figure that out. Let's work backwards. Let's put a plan in place to make that happen. And then we can go do that next thing. Because let, like, let's face it, business ownership can be lonely. It's not always fun. But that's the thing that keeps us motivated. You know, whatever that why is, is that is huge. So once we have that, once you kind of get there and you freed up all your hours and you're you know, you're doing exactly what you want within the business that you're currently in, then it's what do you do next? And like I said, is that go buy other businesses to grow this, spend 20 to 30 hours a week growing your business, working on your business, as Michael Gerber says, or is it getting into real estate? Or is it just chilling out and spending more time with your family and playing more golf? It really depends on what they want to accomplish and why they started their business in the first place. Yeah, and, and you get them to a point then where, they can have that kind of vision, that expanded vision of the future, which is, uh, you know, having, having worked with business owners now, you know, for, for my entire career and, and, uh, you know, been a part of a, a really small business. I was the 10th employee at my first company. Um, and seeing that process, you know, the, what what you're sharing with people here really is a very simple way to get to the point where there's actually some freedom. And there are very, very few business owners who actually ever get to the point where there's any freedom in in this whole experience of business ownership for them. Um, and I personally, I think that's one of the great tragedies that exists in business. I mean, we all do it. We all take the risk so that we can have the freedom. But if you don't get, you know, kind of get aligned with the, the right activities to create that freedom for yourself, you just end up stuck again. And, and uh, I hate seeing businesses go through it. it. It just drives me crazy because there's so much more available out there to them. I, and I love the, the approach that you've got. So, Paul, where can people find more about you? Where can they get in touch with you? Yeah. So if they just go to bizfreedomformula.com, B-I-Z freedomformula.com, uh, I'm running a mastermind. So the, the other thing that I realized throughout this whole process after I sold my business is that business ownership can be a lonely world because 
you and I were talking before the show, we could literally sit in our office all day and not really interact with people. One of the reasons why I started a podcast is I just like talking to other people that kind of get business ownership. So putting together a mastermind for successful business owners that are ready to make that leap to the next level. And so if you go to businessfreedomformula.com, you can click apply, fill out the application. Uh, it is very limited. It's only limited to 10 spots every quarter. Uh, so October 1st, 2018 will be the first quarter of a launch. Uh, so if you don't know what a mastermind is, check out the book, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. It's basically leveraging the power of a group, a power of a mastermind to help everybody achieve their goals. And it's just, it's really that much more powerful because whoever's in the room's probably been through the problem that you're going through right now and you can get to where you want to go that much faster. So really just kind of playing off of what I experienced previously is that it's a lonely world. I want business owners to have an outlet where they can also, you know, hang out, learn from talk and grow uh, with fellow business owners around the country. I love it. Well, um, we'll, uh, we'll link that up in the show notes. It's bizfreedomformula.com. And uh, Paul, this has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you coming on and sharing some wisdom with us today. Yeah, thank you so much, Steve. I appreciate it. Enjoyed uh, the conversation. Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes.